0: Hello, everyone. This is Bill V. Shapiro, and today I will be interviewing Rabbi Mendel Samuel's shliach in Simsbury, Connecticut, on the topic of Seder thoughts. I just want to say thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to help shluchim have more hatzvach on their shluchim. My pleasure. Let me just begin also by thanking our sponsors. I would like to thank Fosman Jewelers, the Smitana Group, Gift Card Zen, and Ohana Pay, a credit card processing company by a fellow Shliach. Thank you for making the podcast available to all Shluchim. So let's get right to it with Pesach just in a few days. Um, many of us are well underway with our seders and definitely thinking of some ideas, thoughts, jokes that we can share at our seder to make it meaningful and exciting um, to uh, the participants, to our community members. So can you share with us some some thoughts that uh, you always um, try to give over at the Seder, um, we could start with a few and we could we could go through them.
1: Well, I'll, I'll do my best, and, and again, I always put a disclaimer that not for every Seder is this, and in every place, the Shliach knows obviously what works for his or her Balabatim. The type of Balabatim that normally come to our Seder are uh, secular at best, some know maybe a little something, and so it is... Uh, very, very important, in my opinion, to keep their interests just like you would a small child. They're also children. They're tiniksh and so they need also something that stimulates them. So to be very, very careful throughout the Seder that things don't begin to take too long because once you lose them, the feeling that they leave the Seder with, instead of being inspirational, unfortunately, is one of uh, boredom and, God forbid, even worse. So the first thing is obviously we start the Seder and immediately begin to explain. Uh, I have all of the shiurim already. Uh, Again, I find that works for me, not for everybody, but I have them all organized so that everything is on a plate. Uh, My Kindalach and myself, we put everything out so that nobody has to stand up and nobody has to pass things, that everything goes very smoothly. So they have a plate with all the shiurim. And then a separate, uh, uh, a separate bag with the matzah ready in it. So there's no reason for them to stand up from the beginning, until then, as, uh, except for the washing. And of course, explain why we're here tonight and what we're doing. The idea that Seder is not a um, a history lesson, but quite the opposite is still relevant and, and as relevant, if not more relevant, today then immediately begin with a Kiddush prayer, explaining why we do so. And it doesn't hurt to explain some of the things on the Seder table, obviously, as to what we're doing, but again, not to take too much time as to get them bored before we even begin. I find also that explaining uh, the idea of drinking the wine and then leaning. So, of course, you explain why we lean. The purpose of leaning is to feel free, but it is reminiscent of royalty in those days, where the kings laid on chaise and then the special couches while they ate. And so therefore, we lean. There are those that have the custom, and I don't think there's anything wrong with mentioning it, that it's not a big deal, that uh, women do not lean. And the reason for that is simply because in that period and time, royalty, uh, in uh, as far as women were concerned, did not lean. They sat upright on their thrones and ate. And so therefore, if we're trying to emulate that period of that time or the idea of royalty some would say that women don't lean but either way it is an interesting to note this always stops people especially if you have doctors at the seder that I always mention that the idea to lean not only uh, is to lean but specifically to the left side and explain medically that the purpose and reason for leaning on the left side is because we have a uh, esophagus and a trachea one is the windpipe, one is the food pipe, and by leaning on the left side, uh, we allow the food to digest better. By leaning on the right side, it is a possibility for, God forbid, the food to go down the wrong pipe and to cause an issue. Thus, Maimonides describes that when going to sleep at night, it is healthier to go to sleep on the left side and wake up on the right side. As an interesting note, that's where the expression comes, waking up on the wrong side. One of the ideas is one wakes up on the left side, meaning they didn't wake up on the right side or on the correct side, uh, as Maimonides would describe it, both from a medical uh, standpoint and and, and, uh, I'm sure also from a spiritual standpoint. Now that we begin that, God, we begin with an extremely extraordinary paragraph. And again, you will choose every shlich in his place. There are times where you have to, quote-unquote, skip uh, certain going through certain philas uh, if you feel it's taking too long obviously there are things that are pertinent and necessary both logically and from a standpoint of explaining and so we begin with Heilachmania, and of course it's an Aramaic and I'm sure all of you uh, have the explanations as to why specifically this prayer is Aramaic uh, except for the last line people find that interesting and the idea that we welcome people and that we are open uh, to all coming and, and, and participating at our Seder is beautiful. It is appropriate then to tell the story of the Rebbe that I do in regards to um, where the heads of the, one of the heads of the Federation mentioned to the Rebbe many years ago that uh, the Federation had come to the conclusion that a beautiful um, uh, new concept for the Seder was to add one chair at every Seder table uh, and that would commemorate one person who was lost in the Holocaust. And to this person's surprise, that Eva said, I don't like the idea. And that Eva said that if you truly want to uh, commemorate and remember one person and to make sure that those whose names should be erased uh, should, should fail in their mission, it's to add one Jew in one of those chairs. Every night at the seder, so at every seder house, if there's one extra Jew participating in the seder, I think this excites the. Uh, the um, uh, this, of course, uh, is is a uh, an ultimate uh, sort of throwback at those who try to harm us. That we are not only at the seder, but we're growing and so on. Then, of course, we go into the idea of questions. We always discuss. Of course, there's the breaking of the matzah, and, and again, everyone has. I'm just going to take. Two or three parts are because there's not enough time. But, um, of course, we explain the idea of the asking of the questions. Uh, there's a very beautiful custom. Some are, aren't aware, and obviously uh, not relevant most of the time. But if there's a Gere that happens to be just then, or that year, or that time, who has become a Gere there's a custom that they are the first to recite the Manashtana as we consider them to be the youngest. And then the four sons, and I think this is where uh, it, it, it behooves the shliach to talk a little bit about the four sons. And again, I, I, I apologize if some of this is obvious to most of you. Uh, maybe some newer people, uh, th- this can help. But the idea of the four sons that is relevant in the way that Rebbe speaks about them is absolutely beautiful. And and uh, you can use humor and, and, and explaining the concept of who the Y-son is, first of all explaining the tradition. As opposed to other religions, questions are not only appropriate but are demanded from us. We, we constantly ask questions, and no questions. And, and the idea of a wise person is, is uh, you know, a person who asks questions. As far as the wicked person, and this is what I find most interesting, and I explained, that the wicked person, to use an old Shakespearean expression, "Thou dost protest too much." Every year it shows up. And every year he has issues. If you're so upset at the stop coming. The fact that he shows up every year shows us that his neshama, his soul is burning bright, and that he he has an issue. He rebels. As I always tell parents, rebellion is a healthy sign. It means they care. And so this child cares. He has issues. He fights. But ultimately there is with whom to speak with. Then there's the simple son. I explain he's not simplistic, but simple, pure, straight, no shtick. He goes. But it is the fourth son I always explain that we are most worried about. He is the son that we would call apathetic. He, he, he has no interest here. It's not that he doesn't he or, or doesn't want to be here. He doesn't care. He sits there thinking, maybe this is how they always eat. I'm not so interested. And to that person, it is difficult to strike up a conversation because that person doesn't have a lot to say. You know, there are people we call half-conversationers, which means, you know, you try to have a conversation and you say to them, there's only your side. I heard you won the lotto, to which they respond, "Um, yep, that's true, and that's the end of the conversation. You're trying to elicit some form of conversation with that person, but that, that, that there's nothing coming. They just don't care. So here, the Rebbe explains, of course, that it's our job to inspire that person and to wake that person to that he should care in the first place and that know that tonight is special and so on. And of course, we all know we discuss the fifth son that the Rebbe always says who doesn't even show up to the Seder at all. And then, if, of course, we can say that Chabad, our whole purpose is to bring that fifth son to the Seder. Now that we've asked questions, answers are deserved, and we go through the this, this, this Seder, the Agada, different, uh, different paragraphs can elicit different explanations, which, Baruch Hashem, today there's such a plethora and such a, uh, a large amount of things that one can discuss. I'm sure you're all aware of all of those. And finally, we come to the plates, which is always interesting. There is Kabbalistically a beautiful thing. I think uh, Rabbi Jacobson does. Yes, Jacobson does a beautiful... Um, uh, thing on the Svitis, and there are others, and, and, and you can really, depending again on your crowd, you can really excite them in explaining the different things. Uh, of course, there's the famous, uh, we talk about the Pesach and the Matzah and the Mar, explain all everyone thinks. Everyone thinks Colonel, uh, some fellow, whether it was Colonel Sandwich or whatever it is, invented the first sandwich, we explained that it was Hillel. And uh, people get a chuckle out of that. And uh, and of course, now we're getting ready and we explain Uh, Again, to each in his own, the purpose of being there. Now, another thing that we do at the Seder that I didn't mention before, depending on your crowd, we have, I'm sure many of you do this, if not all of you, that we have someone read, uh, a different person read every paragraph. So you go around the table, that way people feel invited. Uh, And while doing so, if you have the ability, and again, this does take time, to introduce that person for two minutes, especially if he's a newer person and is not the people there. The people there uh, it is always very inspiring, uh, and people feel all connected, and by the time you're finished going around the table, this, the first part of the Seder is pretty much done. Everyone's gotten to speaking. Of course, you sang Dayenu and and, and and all the other things, and people feel like they're part of a Seder, and immediately the meal starts with matzah, of course, and, and each to their own. I don't find, for my people, explaining the sheer of matzah is, uh you know, of course, it's one of the most important things that ever was very uh, – but I think you need to know your crowd, and, and I try my best, but to have a bunch of people stuff a lot of matzah in their mouth might be difficult, but you can explain. I don't think it's an issue. And then, of course, uh by then uh, there's the mar, and everyone enjoys that, very, very strong, and everyone talks about that. And then, of course, uh the time for the egg – and that is always a very interesting discussion, one that I just recently read, I believe, the and, and other commentaries that also also represents amongst all the other things, that the more you cook it, the harder it becomes. The same with Bnei Yisrael, the more we cook it, the stronger, the more, in other words, they bothered us, my mother was Chayem, the stronger we became.
0: Do you have any interesting thoughts this year on the topic of Eliyahu and Navi coming to the Seder and opening the door for Eliyahu?
1: We also know that Elijah was Pinchas, and the whole idea of the covenant, where God promises Pinchas, that's why Elijah also comes to the uh, to a Bris and a covenant, and and the covenant between the Jewish people and 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 God is no uh, uh, no less uh, stronger or, uh, or much stronger at, at at the night of the Seder, when the Jewish people and and uh, and God have a special bond, and that's why it's called Leil Shemurim. The night of, uh, that God watches over us, we talk about that. So much so, the, there's a tremendous um, connection between the night of the Seder and the bris. Both of them Elijah comes. Because the bris is also one of those mitzvahs that talk is cheap. There is, there's an action. We actually do something, and then and something quite severe, where we circumcise a child because we are not just... Giving lip service to the mitzvah, we believe it physically and emotionally and spiritually. So that's why we have this special bond with God. And whenever there's a covenant, Elijah was Pinchas comes to witness this covenant. The night of Seder is the other time where we physically do something. We actually, or there are people who are accustomed to leave the the front door unlocked or one of the locks if you live in Brooklyn, and um, and 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 we say not of the whole Shema, etc where we physically describe that we believe that tonight is a night that God guards us. So we do something physical to show our commitment to Hashem. And that's extraordinary. It's not just a talk. It's not just that, so, you know, we read many different prayers and we say God watches us and we say, yeah, and we wink and we think, sure, and He watches us. But we also have an alarm. We also, Here we're doing something physical to make a difference, to show it's not just uh, lip service we really believe that Leil Shemurim, that tonight we really are protected by Hashem. And when you have such a close relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people, Elijah, once again, who is the ultimate uh, witness for this covenant, comes and witnesses the Jewish people, once again, A, recounting the, the events of Mitzrayim, and then secondly, preparing ourselves for the ultimate redemption. And that's where Elijah is. And there are those that say that, that Elijah is there waiting, just waiting, that as that he should uh, you know, the reason he comes is because he wants to give the Basuda. It's 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 the it's the it's the ultimate Pesach that ever says all the time that, that this is the, the ultimate redemption to the to the redemption of Mashiach. So he's there. He's waiting. All he needs is to say the, the say so and he's gonna announce it. So when we open up the door On Pesach, I mean, that's another thing we do. We physically open the door. It's a very interesting thing. You're sitting at the Seder table. What what, what do you you physically open the door? If you know Eliyahu Navi is is, is, is a fig, I don't want to say figment of imagination but it's some spiritual entity, then what is the purpose of the door opening? On the other hand, because we believe that Eliyahu Navi is real, and that his his coming is evident, and we really believe he's going to come tonight, and we're physically going to see him, we open the door. The fact that Le'Alenu, hasn't come yet, is a disappointment to us. But we really believe it. If we didn't believe it, we wouldn't be opening the door. We really put Kisai yo at Ibris. We don't just say Elijah's there. If Elijah's there, does he need a physical chair to sit up? Does he need a physical place to be? But the idea that we, Hashem wants us to do something physical to show that it's not just lip service, but we really, truly believe with our whole heart that Elijah the prophet is there and that he truly came to drink the wine at the Seder. And it's as real to us as any and everything else that's happening at the Seder. And when a Jew sits at a Seder and he's opening doors for Elijah and he's really leaving open locks because he believes God protects him, can you think of a more opportune and more appropriate time
0: for Mashiach to ultimately come and take us out of exile? Thank you, Rabbi Samuels, for sharing your thoughts with Shluchim. We really appreciate your time.
1: My pleasure. Pesach.
0: This is Dovi Shapiro. Please reply to this week's email with your favorite joke that you give over at your Seder. I will compile a list of all the jokes and send it out later this week. By Kusscher and Freilich and Pesach make it a
1: great week.